Happy New Year and welcome back to the Mike Janela Show. Happy 2017, everybody. I'm Mike, obviously. This is my 37th podcast episode. Hopefully, it won't be my last. And joining us on the first podcast of 2017, I did take a little bit of time off, about a week, to get the rust off from the holidays. But now I'm excited to welcome in a man who, according to himself on his Twitter bio, is the foremost expert. Period on everything. So, what better man to help us ring in the new year than Ted Berg? Teddy, what's happening? Not much. Thanks for having me. And I want to say that uh, 37, incidentally, was always my number in stuff. I was always 37 or 73. Um, so it seems appropriate. Wow. I, and I had no idea. I did not plan that at all. So that worked. Why 37? Such a random number. I, you know, it just sort of happened. Uh, like 73 was my number in football, and, and then uh, that sort of just morphed into like for sports where it wasn't appropriate, so like baseball and lacrosse and such, uh, wearing 37. Oh, nice. Interesting. Uh, I think 37 might have been the – or 73 was the old like uh, sports uh, – New York Sports Channel number, I think, on my cable box as a kid. So maybe that's something uh, in my mind. Uh, that's... R- Ricardo Rincon wore number maybe, 73. Yeah, something. Notably. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we've Ricardo Rincon and Ted Berg. Now, Ted Berg uh, is USA Today's For the Win uh, lead baseball writer and Taco Bell writer as well. We'll get to some of that, uh, too. Uh, those of you who are listening from San Diego, I get a lot of my listeners from there, uh, may remember Ted is the guy who named Petco Park his number one ballpark in all of baseball after the All-Star game last year, uh, something the Padres took as pretty serious gospel, Ted, uh, in promoting it, uh, the hell out of it, after you made that list, so... Uh, congrats on providing them some good propaganda. Um, no, Ted, I, before we get to talking about how you got to where you are at USA Today, what it's like working it for the win, all that kind of fun stuff, I like starting my shows off every week with the guests on a good positive foot. So I want to ask you, what's the best thing that happened to you this week? Huh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, well, it's not the, uh, the coffee shop Wi-Fi scenario that I just endured. Um, uh, <laughs> I guess – oh, well, you know, this is actually fairly easy. Uh, the I live in, in Manhattan on the Upper East Side, and the Second Avenue subway just opened up oh, yeah. uh, just this week. So it, it opened on Sunday. Uh, we're speaking on Friday, naturally. So uh, I've had like four days or five days with this new subway in place, and it's just incredibly, incredibly valuable to me. Uh, we sort of – I've lived here for five years, so I've been – there's been construction, tons and tons of construction really immediately in my neighborhood because I'm right near the new train uh, and and I've dealt with that for five years and and so it's it's a twofold thing uh, actually threefold even there's uh, it's really really nice to walk around here now without all of the construction going on everywhere there are sidewalks that are like two blocks from my house that I had never walked on before because they've just always been blocked by construction equipment uh, Having the train itself is extremely useful. Uh, I can now get to the west side of Manhattan in like 20 minutes, which used to be like a day trip, basically. And uh, and now there's a bike lane on 2nd Avenue, and I ride my bike around the city a lot. So uh, it makes it a, a much safer and, and less uh, anxiety-inducing affair. For non-New Yorkers, they have no idea how big of a deal this thing is. It's been literally 100 years in the making. They've been promising the 2nd Avenue subway. Um, they reference it in Mad Men, like when Peggy Olson's apartment hunting, they tell her in 1955, just wait till that Second Avenue subway gets built, the property value is going to skyrocket, and it only took until 2017 to get it, so that's a good answer, I feel you on that one. Yeah, and you know, I kind of realized that it probably means I'll get priced out of my neighborhood within a few years, but until then, it's going to be great. 
it's not that USA Today money's not taking care of you to be staying there on the Upper East Side. It, Manhattan is absurd. I honestly can't fully figure out why anyone lives here or I live here because <laughs> I, I love like when I go to other cities and I go to uh, you know I travel a decent amount. I go to places like San Diego and it's beautiful and it's it's fun to spend time there and it's got sort of everything you need in a city. And then I, I look up, you know, and it's not like San Diego is like an uber cheap real estate market. But when you compare it to like New York and San Francisco, it's like, wow, like why why does anybody live in New York and not San Diego? It's funny. Yeah, people, when I moved here, it's like, oh, how are you going to make it? It's so expensive here. I'm like, trust me, I've been in the on deck circle with the donut on the bat with my New York prices. This is <laughs> at least a little bit more manageable. Um, all right, Ted, so let's get to let's get down to the, some business here. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you are the lead baseball writer uh, for USA Today's For the Win, uh, their vertical. And I like talking to people on this podcast about how they got to where they are because I think backstories are so interesting. And perusing through your LinkedIn, which is one of my favorites because it's sort of half tongue in cheek, half serious, I guess pretty much right on brand for you. Uh, it's a bit of a roller coaster ride for how you got to where you are. I don't think people would assume you took a very traditional path. So let me ask you, how do you get from spending two years as a lobstertrician, which is an actual entry on your LinkedIn page, <laughs> to being the lead or head anything at a USA Today site? Uh, it, well, you know, I mean, lobster trishing wasn't really like my long-term plan. <laughs> uh, I, I worked, yeah, I worked, that was like sort of high school and college. I worked mm -hmm. in a in a wholesale retail lobster market on Long Island, which is where I was from. I actually got that job because this shirt said lobster trishing on the back. And Do you I still have that shirt? I don't. I don't. Ah. What happened is so, so um, it's it's actually kind of sad. I got two of them, and I gave one to a girl because I was in high school and like all you know like and that's like I just like I was so desperate you know so it was like yeah sure you can have this awesome T-shirt that I'm toiling away like, for. I, I want to yell at you for doing that, but I would have done the same thing. High school, oh, you're yeah. you're an idiot in high school for when it comes right, to girls. And, it's just it's then, stupid. Yeah. And obviously, you know, then like I don't, I don't know that I've spoken to her since high school. Um, <laughs> I hope she still has that t-shirt. And then, so what happened was then, then I had to wear the other t-shirt to work at the lobster market every day, and that t-shirt just smelled phenomenally bad. And so I wound up, you know, I wound up throwing that one out because it was like even you could wash it thirty times and it just wouldn't that deep sort of fish smell wouldn't come out. It was actually, again, you know, like, and, and it goes back to the, the, the giving the t-shirt to the girl thing, really bad idea when you're like a 17, 18, 19 year old guy to be like, yeah, I want to be in this fish market all the time. You would, I remember like going to the movies, actually, I believe with this exact same girl and, and putting my, like putting the popcorn to my mouth and smelling it on my hands after I'd showered for like an hour trying to get that smell off me. Mm -hmm. It was impossible. Uh, but so, right, so yeah, let's get back I, to, yeah, so back to, back to the career, the actual career path. Yeah. Um, the actual career path, honestly, and like, I feel, I feel, and I've spoke, I've talked about this before, um, because I have such a cool job that people ask me about it all the time. And I got extremely lucky. Like a, a, it was a, you know, I, I had been, I had done, uh, I wrote for like the alternative paper in my college. I wrote sports. I uh, I did on-air stuff in college. I had a, a sports-ish TV show, and I always kind of wanted to do on-air type things. And and I I dreamed of being a, a broadcaster of some sport, uh, of some sort in sports. Um, but I didn't do 
a ton to pursue it. It basically worked out to being like, well, I graduated. I had done one internship. I sent out some reels. Uh, I got a call back from a place in Montana asking me about my knowledge of rodeo. And I had just joined a new band, you know, and I was super psyched about the band, thought the band was going to make it. So I didn't want to move to Montana. Like it it was, um, so I kind of, it was kind of a dream I I gave up on fairly quickly after graduating college. Um, I went to grad school. I was, I was thinking I would become, I was hoping I could become like a college professor. And so I needed to get my grades in college weren't the best. I needed like, I wanted to have a, a master's with good grades to get me into a good PhD program. Uh, but in the second year of the master's, it was, it was part-time. And so I found, I you know, was lurking for part-time jobs, saw an ad on Craigslist at MLB.com. And I was like, well, that's cool. It's a, it's, it's nights and weekends, but again, you're living the grad school life. So like, you don't really care about the traditional Monday through Friday, nine to five. Craigslist, that's so random for MLB. It's so extremely random, but it was, this was fairly early in MLB.com's like existence as a giant enterprise and, and uh, you know, and, and obviously a huge part of, of major league baseball's business. So they were, yeah, they were still looking for people on Craigslist at that time, and it was a, it was an hourly job, and I actually got rejected. And it's funny you mentioned the LinkedIn page because my resume at that time looked a lot like the the bottom part of the LinkedIn <laughs> resume. It was like you know, lobstertrician, hot dog vendor, uh, actor in a Jack in the Box commercial. Like I've had so many random, weird, funny jobs, and. They basically brought me in. I was on the reject pile. Um, they hired, I guess, to my understanding, they hired a bunch of very computer savvy people at first who weren't necessarily like the the best editors. And and the job sort of morphed into more of an of an editing job. And at the time, I was as you know part of my part time thing. I was I was tutoring for the SATs and I was working in the writing center at Nassau Community College. And so they saw that. And said, like, okay, well, this guy should at least know grammar, you know, so, like, let's bring him in and see if he seems like he could figure out the computer stuff. Uh, I I went in, I interviewed, they gave me the job, uh, and I started working part-time. Uh, sort of a sad story in, into how I got to, to full-time because uh, someone someone else died, which is crazy. Oh. Um, but again, like, you know, sort of these, like, uh, there's just a bunch of these, like, very strange and very, like, unlikely series of events that wound up with me first getting a full-time job. Uh, and then, you know, sort of because of that, and because it was at major league baseball, and I love baseball so much. It was like, well, you know, I can always go try to get a PhD. I might as well stick with this baseball thing for a while while it's fun. Um, at that time, uh, major league baseball was, and, and it still does, but major league baseball runs, you know, a lot of different partner sites. One of them was S and Y, which is the Mets, the Mets TV network. Uh, and, and there, uh, and so I sort of at MLB, they knew I was into the Mets and, you know, I'd grown up a huge Mets fan. And so they started, started giving me more responsibilities at, at S and Y. And then in 2008, uh, or I guess right at the end of 2007, S and Y expanded its website of the business and looked to hire, you know, full-time people. Uh, I had already basically been doing the job that I would ultimately get hired at SNY to do. So I think they were sort of in a position like, well, I guess this guy is our guy because he knows what he's doing on this site at least. Um, 
From there, you know, I started working with Matt Cerrone, who runs MetsBlog.com and who's a, a friend of mine and uh, was so, like, incredibly cool to me from the start uh, because I had been I had been writing the Mets block on on SNY.TV, which I believe is uh, is when we first interacted because I was also hosting a, a, or co-hosting a, a Mets podcast, which you joined, if you'll recall. Yes, from the 2007 uh, winter meetings or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was something like that, right. So that was probably right before I went to, to SNY proper. Um, but so right around that time, they also, they also hired Matt and Matt was, you know, Matt was in this position where he could have said, I don't want this guy writing, you know, like I, I, I want to be the only Mets blogger here and I don't want competition, right? Like every, everyone would have just, uh, like listened to him if he said that, but he actually did the opposite and was like, this guy's great. Let's, you know, promote his stuff more and give him more opportunities. And so what was supposed to be, uh, really until the last day, uh, like a very editorial position, uh, I sort of made into more of a writing thing and, and, uh, they, they were like, they were actually, up in the day I after I told them I was leaving finally they were they were hiring people telling them we're not looking for another Ted because I had kind of uh I hate to say it but I I kind of just sort of uh blew off a lot of the responsibilities <laughs> that I was actually hired to cover didn't do my uh, job at all did what I wanted yeah, to do instead to, to write about the Mets and and I started writing Ted Quarters which was my blog then and and uh it kind of just grew into more of like a it was started as like a sort of a alternative Mets blog for our sites and sort of developed into something more of like a New York sports and lifestyle and food type thing. And that, you know, I don't know, uh, somehow, uh, USA Today saw that, you know, and, and, and my, my current boss at USA Today, uh, saw it and contacted me right around the end of, uh, actually I know exactly when it was. It was the day it was the like two days after. I think it was a Friday was, or the a Thursday was the the Mets last home game of that season, and it was the day that Ari Dickey won his twentieth game, and Keith Hernandez shaved his mustache on oh, stage. Yeah. And I got to be, I got to do the first interview with Keith Hernandez after shaving his mustache, which was like, you know, okay, like what else am I gonna that's get gonna done? That's gonna be your head. That's gonna be your headstone. Yeah. Right. And so then, um, and right. What else am I going to do ever in life that's going to top <laughs> that? But that felt like a perfect culmination of that job, you yeah. know? And so, and then it was, I think the Monday after that, that I got an email from someone at USA Today who was like, Hey, you know, we love your stuff. We'd love to talk to you about, you know, this new start site we're about to start up. Uh, we're looking for a baseball guy. I, uh, you know, a long interview process there cause they were, uh, sort of figuring out what they wanted to do with, for the win. They didn't have a name for it yet. They didn't really know exactly what the site would turn out to be yet. Uh, and ultimately I got hired there, uh, right at the beginning of 2013. And, and now it's, uh, I'm still there. It's fun. Yeah. And you do some great work and we do have to shout out very quickly cause he's going to get mad at me and probably both of us if we don't, uh, Mike Rudner, who was the guest on the podcast last episode of 2016, he was the one who linked us up on that podcast back in the day. So, uh, Rudner, there's your obligatory shout out. Hope you're happy. I think, you know, Rudner and I had some, I think very entertaining. Con- I honestly, like that was again, like I had done like the, the TV stuff in college, but it was sort of a different thing. And, and, speaking like exclusively and at least somewhat 
seriously and earnestly about baseball was kind of new for me. And that really did like Rudner came out of Rudner came out of broadcasting school. He knew what he was doing. And I was just like, I'll just talk. And I think it really did help like sort of develop like uh, for me, like a, a voice as a as an analyst, so to speak. And I still don't take things all that seriously. I wasn't taking it all that seriously then, but I think it helped me. And I don't want to give Rudner too much credit. Yeah, let's right? pump the brakes. Yeah, um, obviously, but but uh, yeah, but that show, like, if I did, I don't think if I did that show, I don't think I start doing the podcast uh, at. at at Mets blog at, at mostly Mets, which with Toby Hyde and Patrick flood, which, which was really uh, a fairly successful thing that we did at S and Y and which uh, has led me to be on many more podcasts. And now I host, uh, I sometimes host the baseball podcast at USA Today, and I, and I regularly host uh, the For the Win podcast at, at, at USA Today, And that's a new thing for me, but it's like one of my favorite parts of the job culminating in your appearance on this podcast, which I'm sure has replaced the Keith Hernandez mustache shaving interview as your new career highlight. So this is pretty much it. Yeah. Let's talk about for the win then. What's kind of a day in the life? Cause you mentioned how you're at the coffee shop doing your Wi-Fi situation there. I know USA today has offices there in Manhattan, the whole for the win kind of machine. Is it everyone working from their own places at home? Are you guys out at on sites, uh, is there a, a main sort of newsroom where you guys are throwing across different, you know, I found this on Twitter, let's write about it. How does, how does the machine work at For the Win? Because it's such a churning out, you know, constantly content. How does it work? Uh, there, it's, it's a lot. It's all of those things, really. And, like, I, um, I probably do a little bit more on-site coverage than, than a lot of my colleagues at For the Win, but we, we try to blend, you know, original reporting with, you know, logging or whatever you want to call it. Um, we really strive to not just uh, straight up aggregate things. You know, we try to put our own spin on things at the very least. Sometimes I think in our in the sports media world now, like it's just like, oh, my God, this guy just said the wackiest thing on Instagram. Let's get it up as soon as possible. You know, and, and there's of course, there's always going to be like some element of that. But we really do try to focus on like, OK, well, how can we make a funny joke around that? How do we make that into a poll or, a, you know, something people might interact with beyond just like what did this athlete tweet? Um, so a lot of it is done. I mean, there, there are, so there's, uh, I have a couple coworkers who work out of the New York office uh, a little bit more often than I do, but I probably get in there like once or twice a week, uh, more now in the winter cause I'm not at baseball games. Uh, but I do, I usually get to when the Mets or Yankees are home, I'll get to like one or two games per homestand, uh, and do some reporting there. I travel for the all-star game for the postseason, for spring training, uh, especially, and, and maybe a couple of trips throughout the year. If there's like a particular story I'm pursuing. Uh, and then a lot of it is, you know, just in sort of a slack room, uh, like a, like a chat room. Uh, and, and it's just everybody sort of shooting ideas back and forth. Uh, if I see something that maybe like, and again, like, so now I'm doing so much in sort of the, the multimedia efforts, like doing video stuff and I'm doing podcast stuff. I get a, I think I get a, a little more flexibility than maybe some of my coworkers do because of that. And so if I, if I'm, you know, if I'm busy and I see something I think is awesome and will do well online and people will like reading about, then I'll throw it in the chat room and people, someone will grab it or they'll say, this is dumb. Shut up, Ted. What are you thinking? And not <laughs> grab it. And then that's part of the process too, is everybody's just like, everybody, it's, it's a cool environment because 
everybody is uh, generally on the same page all the time and everybody is like supportive but not necessarily like polite with each other. Like if you're saying like honestly I don't think that's a great idea, everybody's like oh yeah, you're probably right. That's not a great idea. And so uh, it's a – there's not like a, a – eh, that's not true. There are some I, – I think the typical day for me is like I, I – I go to a coffee shop for a couple hours and then I come back home for, for the rest of the day and you know, whatever baseball stuff comes up, I write about, uh, but it's, it's increasingly the case that there's not really a typical day. Which the, the internet, I guess, makes that happen more realistically every day. I, what I found interesting there is how you talk about other sites and a lot of sites it is just, let's just report on, I don't know, Jose Bautista's latest Twitter post or whatever, and let's just get it up and say this happened. Let's get the links and the SEO and all that stuff. But there are sites then like yours where you guys try and make it something different and try and take an angle or an approach. What do you guys think is, is more important? And how do you find yourself distinguishing from, I don't know, the SB Nations or uh, Bleacher Report or Barstool? Do you think it's it's just the individual voice that you and the other people working there have? Or do you guys more uh, inherently try to look at it a different way. So how do you distinguish yourself from the millions of other sites trying to do what you do, basically? I mean, it, I think it's it's that that goes case by case. Like, for me, it's just, I it's always been uh, important to me. And, and I think, like, it, it's sort of an underrated thing online. It's like, people are going to take what you say and throw it back in your face at some point. And so for me, like, from day one, I've always just tried to be honest uh, and like that sounds like I, I'm not trying to say like I'm like a, a pillar of integrity or anything but it's just it's a selfish thing right like if I feel like I'm representing what I feel at the time then I don't really need to worry about it if someone if what I said was wrong and and you know I said this trade was horrible for one team and it turned out to be the opposite way like okay but at least I understand my reasoning at the time I wasn't just saying that for the sake of having the hottest take or for the sake of of being uh, different than everyone else on the internet you know, so like my approach is just like, well, uh, yeah, maybe someone like again, like um, Grant Brisby at SB Nation, one of the sites you you, uh, you mentioned, is like one of my favorite baseball writers, and I really think one of the best baseball writers going. And so like it is almost uh, disconcerting when people like that, and and there's so many good baseball writers, and you see like uh, that person comes out with the their spin on the topic before you, and like and then I get nervous, like oh I. I don't want to. I don't want to repeat. If if we're gonna have the same take on this, I don't want to like seem like I'm copying it. So what I tend to do is I avoid reading about something until I uh, until I write about it. Like once if if something something big happens, Cardinals hacking scandal news comes out, right? It's like okay, well, what am I gonna say about this, and what do I think about this? And I try to take my time and think it through without without really uh, trying to put too much stock in like all of the other reactions that are happening on the internet because I think then you get into that like sort of weird zone mentally where you're like, well, I can't say exactly the same thing as this guy and I, but I don't want to say the direct opposite because I, I think that one's wrong, you know? So uh, it's a, it's a like a post by post type thing, I guess. Um, but my main thing is just like, all right, be, be, be me, right? And that sounds like a. It sounds like something from like a '90s TV show. It sounds but like, like a T-shirt that you need to have made. Yeah, like a corny yeah, inspirational T-shirt. It's, it's, it's the only way. Like I, I tend to. I don't know. I, I 
I hope that I'm like a fairly original guy and, and I have my own thoughts and, and my own things to say. And I realize that it's sort of presumptuous to assume who like anyone cares what I think. But uh, at the same time, you know, on the Internet, like if if people it doesn't it doesn't have to be you that they're that they're agreeing with. If they read the thing and they agree with it, then they're going to read it and they're going to send their friends and they're they're going to send it to their friends. They're going to tweet it. They're going to post it around. So, you know, you can uh, without like having because I don't, I don't feel like there's a ton of people who are seeing baseball news and being like, can't wait to hear what Ted says about this, unless it's like a baseball player eats a sandwich, in which case everybody starts immediately tweeting at me, like, why have you not said anything about this yet? Right, the former uh, sandwich expert, yeah. Right, but on the the sort of traditional baseball topics, you just kind of of say, like, okay, well, like, look, I got things to say, I I know baseball, and uh, I'm just going to say what I'm going to say, and if people don't want to read it, if people don't care... You just got to deal with that, and you got to hope that it's something that does sort of resonate. All right, so let's move looking forward now, because uh, my last podcast, last episode, we did some 2016 awards. We handed some things out, and you, right after I uh, recorded that episode, I was just browsing, and I saw you had put out this story called The 17 Reasons 2017 Might Not Suck So Hard. So this is stuff I guess you do in the offseason. You wrote about Harambe a couple days before that. Uh, this wire spool I saw is your latest story that you know kind of went viral. So try to keep yourself sharp outside of baseball season, which I respect and appreciate. Um, in that well, there's list, just I mean, yeah. more than anything, there's just not a lot of good baseball news lately. Like, just yeah, nothing yeah. happened. It's been barren, that's for sure. Um, so you covered everything from, I mean, LeBron James doing stuff. That was one of the reasons that it might not suck so much. Uh, Fargo Season 3 coming out, uh, Fake Shrimp, a whole bunch of different stuff. So I figured you're the man to come to for some 2017 predictions. Do you have the crystal ball ready? Uh, sure, yeah. All right, let's see. I don't know how much you dig into other sports, but quickly, let's go through all the, the major sports titles and you tell me who's going to win them. Let's start with the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, I'm so bad with football now. Like, I used to I, – I, I kind of love football and concept, but the amount of attention I pay to baseball sort of uh, means that the first two months of the football season are lost to me. And then when I come back from the World Series and I – I've missed the first two months and the Jets are already bad. I kind of miss it all. So I'll just go with, I guess, probably chalk and say the Patriots, which kills me and I think kills most of America to hear. But that the Patriots always win, right? Like if the Patriots are good, it seems like they're going to win the world, the win the Super Bowl. Smart bet. I'd love, I'd love to see a uh, another Giants Patriots Super Bowl, and I'm not a Giants fan. I just, uh, I just kind of feel like that's a fun little rivalry there that they that they've done it before, and I, I like. Uh, I like Eli Manning a lot. So like, I just, I, he just, he's like, he seems like such a perfect New York sports guy to me and that he's like just good enough so that he sticks around and people like him and people, some people appreciate him a lot and just not perfect enough that there are people who are like, Eli is the worst. Get rid of this guy. He's a bum. And it's been like that for like 12 straight years. Um, so he's almost like a John Franco type fi- uh, figure to me. Nice. I'll say Patriots over Giants. All right. Uh, let's quickly, so just give me the uh, team answer for these. We'll blow through these then. Um, NCAA basketball. Uh, not Georgetown, no. uh, which is my team. Not Syracuse uh, this year either. Trust me. No, <laughs> thankfully. Um, at least, yeah, at least there's that. We're going down uh, together. Vill- Villanova again, which is, again, a boring prediction. But uh, We're all chalk. So let me guess. Stanley Cup, you're going to go like honest, Penguins right? I got to be honest. What's up? 
you're all chalk, so I'm guessing Stanley Cup, you'll go like the Penguins or something to repeat? I, um, I'll say the Blue Jackets because I know they just won 16 yeah. straight games, um, but I know so little. I know like less than nothing about the <laughs> um, um How about NBA? Cavs or Warriors? Got to be one of those two again, right? Naturally, naturally. Uh, I want the Cavs to win again. Like I said, like I just I, – I like – LeBron James so much just as a as a athlete as a basketball player and as like a transcendent sports superstar guy um I just want him to win all of the titles and I love that and I know it's not the case I know that there's great players around LeBron but I love how it feels like it's like LeBron James alone against this incredible super team full of the best players in NBA so in the NBA so I definitely want I would definitely pick the Cavs there for fun and now for the one that you can bet all your money on because he's the lead baseball writer at For the Win for USA Today, Ted Berg. The people want to know who to put their hard-earned paycheck on this year. Who's winning the World Series? Oh, don't don't bet on <laughs> of, of all sports. Don't bet on baseball. I've only had hardship that way. Um, but I mean, obviously the answer. Obviously the the favorite has got to be the Cubs. They're just clearly the best team. Like they, if you're top to bottom, there's just, they were the best team all year in 2016. They've got everybody coming back and better in 2017. They probably won't win the world series just because the odds are against every team in baseball. And it doesn't work like, you know, basketball and football where a dominant team certainly dominates in the, in the postseason. Uh, there's obviously a lot more randomness in play in baseball, but yeah, I mean, I, I hate to be boring again, but I'm going to say the Cubs. I just said the Cavs Patriots, Warriors and Cubs, Cavs, <laughs> Patriots, and the Cubs. It's like the worst. The but again, like I don't want to have the hottest take just for the sake of having a hot take. Right. I think the Indians will be good again. I think the Astros will take a big step forward. I kind of love the Rockies. If you want like a low key huh. team, I think could sneak up on people. I kind of think the Rockies are are in a pretty good spot next year. Uh, so if like that's if you want like a sleeper, that would be it for me. But the best team in baseball is clearly the Cubs. Yeah, and like you say, the only thing against them is that it's so hard to repeat in baseball, just with all the teams. But I mean, why? Why wouldn't you go with them? Um, all right, right. If, if you're if you're saying on right now on January sixth, who's the best team in baseball? The Cubs have the best roster. They 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 have like the the best pitching and and the best hitting. I, I, they're they're just the team that's built to win. Yeah. Um, quick non-sports things. What's going to be the biggest celebrity news story of 2017? A Kim Kanye breakup, a new Taylor Swift album. What do you see coming from the non-sports world? Um, Young Pope. I just, HBO <laughs> series. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I don't think it's going to be good. I just think that it's going to be, I kind of feel like, and I, I don't know, I haven't watched any previews. I, I've seen like the trailers in passing. I just think the title, The Young Pope, makes me laugh so much that I feel like it's bound to be like such a flop that it becomes like a repeated yeah. joke. Like like cop rock would have back in the day if Twitter were existed in 1990 or yeah. whatever. It sounds like a rejected rapper name. Like yo, it's Young Pope, and it's gonna be. Yeah. This is gonna I, be like highbrow prestige Sharknado, maybe. And like, what a silly idea that someone was just like, and and this was in the 2017 list that someone was just like, hey. What if the Pope were hot? And the other guy was like, I love it. Let's get Jude Law. Call him up. Yeah, and then they made a show out of it. Oh, good time. Will, uh, last question, last prediction question. We have to talk about him because he's just uh, has a, a, his specter is hanging over America at large. Will Donald Trump be impeached at any point in 2017? 
Uh, no, I'm going to say not. And I'm going to say that there's like too much bureaucracy still in the government, no matter what he tries to do, that he won't be able to do anything that would get him impeached in 2017. All right. I like it. Uh, we're going to wrap up as we always do every show, uh, Ted, with the fun five, which are five quick, fun questions designed for you and you alone. But first, I like to offer all my guests the chance to turn the tables and you get to ask me any one question you want, should you choose. Would you like to elect that option? Uh, no, I want to I wanna answer the question. All right, I, I like it. I like yeah. it. Unabashed Ted Berg uh, self-promotion. That's what I have you on the show for. Um, yeah. So let, let's get to it then. Uh, the fun five, as I mentioned, uh, let's go through these. Number one, you, I think not only yourself, but a lot of people have agreed you've got the best hair in baseball media. So I got to ask, if someone were to star as you in the Hollywood biopic, The Rise to Fame of Ted Berg, who would you tab to star as you? I'm assuming it's not Jude Law. Um, Fabio? Is Fabio available? <laughs> he's like uh, 74 like, I years old. One, like, I, when I used to do the like videos on Mets blog, every single time someone commented about how much I look like Ferris Bueller. Uh, so the obvious choice would be Matthew Broderick, but he's a little bit old now. I, I feel like he's kind of losing his fastball, and I don't know that he could play young Ted Berg. So I'll go with Fabio. I feel like he's just ageless and hot. <laughs> well, they can do the CGI stuff with Broderick now to make him younger. But you want to go Fabio? I'm going to give you Fabio. Um, the question number two, your love for and journalistic integrity uh, for Taco Bell is certainly well documented. But I'm not sure I've ever come across this. Uh, what is your dream Taco Bell meal? No price or calorie restrictions aside. I just tell you, go to Taco Bell, get whatever you want, knock yourself out. What are you ordering? Well, um, if time isn't a factor in it either, I would love that the bacon cheeseburger burrito, which is something like that used to exist on the Taco Bell menu sort of before I was deep into it. And I don't know that I ever ate. So I want to – and people still talk about it online, so I would love to get that. Uh, Cheesy Gordita Crunch is my favorite. That's like my go-to. But I would like it with lava sauce, which is uh, something that's discontinued that I believe is on the way back now. It's like my favorite sauce from Taco Bell. And then if we're just going for it, I would say – so they've got this new – and I've sampled it. They've got the new uh, Naked Chicken Chalupa coming out, which is just a chalupa shell made of fried chicken, which is incredible. (laughs) I want that. I want that but in the Cheesy Gordita Crunch treatment where there's like a full taco sort of glued inside of the fried chicken with cheese. Book it. I smell money. Um, question number three, Ted, you could spend one week hanging out with any current big leaguer on vacation. Who would you go on vacation with and where would you guys go? Oh, have you ever seen Giancarlo Stanton's Instagram? I usually ask people who would you want to be for like a week or a month. And my answer is always Giancarlo because he looks like he's living the most incredible life. And he like, look, look at him. Why wouldn't you want to be him? He always, I feel like that guy, I feel like obviously he's working out and he's working hard and like people hate when athletes take vacations, which is nuts, but like that's a guy who can pull it off because it's like, look at him. He's working out. Don't worry about that. And you follow him on Instagram. It's like, this guy's taking awesome vacations. He was at the pyramids this off season. It was like all of the wonders of the world together at last. So it would be standing <laughs> for me. 
Uh, where, where would you want to go? Like the beaches of Miami or just somewhere like Dubai? I anything? feel like I feel like me and John Carlos Denton Brown down in Ibiza would be pretty fun. Oh, you know, nice. I, could, I could do that. Oh, I would pay money to watch that as a Netflix documentary. Um, right. Question number four, Ted. You did spend a year as a food vendor at Old Shea Stadium. You've done interviews about this before, so we'll get too in-depth about it. But what is – and again, the industry maybe has changed in the nearly – whatever, how long it's been since you've done it. But what's the 17 biggest... 17 years, years? Yeah. yeah. So maybe it's changed a little bit. But what's the biggest misconception the common uh, sports fan may have about how the food vendor game works at a stadium? Um, That it is like a dream job that you, you know, like it's, it's hard work. It's fun. Like there are aspects of it that are super fun because you do get into the baseball games for free. But... You do like a lot of serious manual labor carrying, especially at Shea Stadium. If you were in the upper deck and you had like pretzels or soda or something kind of heavy, up and down those stairs is rough. And also, the and the main thing, and this is the extremely important one for everyone to know, do not ask a different vendor if he knows where the beer guy is. Mm. He doesn't know where the beer guy is, right? The beer guy, he will see the beer guy the same time you see the beer guy. The beer guy's working around sometime. Don't call a guy up to like the second to last row and be like, hey, can you send the beer guy over? Over. That is the worst because you're missing out on sales while you're while you're carrying your stuff up there. That's brutal. I call the Diet Pepsi guy up and you want the Bud Light guy instead. That's, right. that's messed right. up. That's messed up. Um, all right, last question for you, Ted, in the Fun Five. Uh, right now, as we speak, and this may change by the time this thing gets posted, uh, you're at 9,831 Twitter followers, nearly at 10,000. I don't know if you've been there before and you've dropped down, but do you have any celebrations planned for when you hit that monster 10K plateau milestone? No, man, 10K isn't enough. I want to I wanna get to like a million. Maybe I'll like change my, my profile or something, but uh, I want that. I want that. Ashton Kutcher reach, you know, like I, I, I got to do better than 10K. I love it. The sites are set high. Uh, tell the people where they can find you then to follow you on Twitter and wherever else they can see your work, Ted. I am at OG Ted Berg, um, T-E-D-B-E-R-G and OG as in like Olive Garden. It's sponsored. Uh, um, <laughs> and uh, I'm on, I'm for the win, which is uh, ftw.usa.com. Uh, you can find a lot of my stuff there. Uh, I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ted uh, and I'm on various other forms of social media as well, but those are the main ones. All right, that is Ted Berg from USA Today's For the Win. Uh, stay on the line, Ted. I'll wrap up with you once we go off the air, but thanks so much, man. hope you have an awesome 2017, and hope we uh, get to cross paths again at some point. Thanks, this was fun. All right, and for you folks listening, thanks for listening, and head to MikeJanella.com to find all previous episodes of the show. I'll have links to all of Ted's stuff that he mentioned, and you can also get your info on the great outro music you're hearing right now. Thanks for checking back in with us on 2017. Have a great start to the new year yourself, and we'll try and do better next time. See ya!